This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place where we tease apart what it means to be a conscious parent and aren't afraid of getting super messy with it. I'm your host, Casey O'Rourke, positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and in the trenches of the parenting journey with my own two teenagers. Each week, I come at you with a solo show or an interview. You can be sure that the guests on the podcast have something important to say, and I am honored to have you listen in as I pick their brains about what it is that they are passionate about. If you are a parent looking to grow while walking the path of parenting, if you're open to learning new things, if your relationship with yourself and your kids is something you are interested in diving deeper into, then this is the place for you. After you listen, I would love to hear from you. Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review, letting others know what you love about the show. Or feel free to shoot me an email at Casey at joyfulcourage.com. I love hearing from listeners and I'm always quick to respond. If you want to be sure not to miss any of the happenings going on with Joyful Courage, join my list. You'll stay updated on the podcast and events that are happening for parents, both online and live. You can join the list at www.joyfulcourage.com slash join. Yay. So glad you're here. Enjoy the show. This podcast is supported by BetterHelp. Parenting is hard. Most of us find ourselves in seasons where we experience anger, anxiety, isolation. We feel alone, like we're the only ones that are having a hard time. BetterHelp is the online resource that we all need. It's counseling. BetterHelp matches you with a professional licensed therapist that is trained in all the things that come to the surface for us parents. Not everybody has the time or resources to seek out a counselor. BetterHelp is affordable and allows you to connect via phone, text, or video conference. Guess what? Parenting challenges don't go away. We have to nurture ourselves so that we can show up for the people that we love. And now you can get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp when you use the code JOYFULCOURAGE. Go to www.betterhelp.com slash JOYFULCOURAGE to get 10% off your first month. You deserve it. You'll be so glad you did it. I promise. That's www.betterhelp.com slash JOYFULCOURAGE. 
Hey, listeners. My guest today is Yolanda Williams. At 37, Yolanda was blessed with her first child after years of believing that she would never have children. She's a single mom, so things are a little bit hectic over there as she juggles momming and her home-based business and taking care of herself. Conscious parenting is really close to her heart, and she knows what it feels like to grow up without a voice and with violence as a consequence. Raising a black child in a world filled with white supremacy can seem insurmountable at times, but she firmly believes that conscious parenting is activism against racism. Yolanda is raising a carefree child to be her authentic self, unafraid to use her voice to stand up to oppression with unshakable confidence and self-love. Yolanda wants to help teach other parents to do the same. She's the co-founder of Conscious Parenting Time, whose mission it is to decolonize minds by teaching the art of conscious parenting to raise intellectually, spiritually, and socially free Black children. She's also the host of Parenting Decolonized, a podcast on a mission to shine the light on how colonization has impacted the Black family structure and what to do about it. I am so thrilled and honored to welcome you to my show. Hi, Yolanda. (laughs) Hi, Casey. Thanks so much for having me. I really, I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you. Will you please fill in the gaps a little bit and share more about your journey of doing what you do? Yeah. So, you know, conscious parenting and this whole decolonizing journey, I, I really only got on it when I got pregnant. And I'd always been super like pro-Black and, mm-hmm. you know, really just a uh, fist in the air type person, the kind of people that, that my my family actually has a problem with. Mm-hmm. They always tell me to be quiet, stop embarrassing them, but I don't get embarrassed by talking about race. Um, I've always been that person, but I really never understood people's passion about it until I had Gia, my daughter, mm-hmm. and just all the things that are happening in the world and things that have happened to me, I just thought about them and I was just like, I don't want her to grow up not loving herself. I don't want her to grow up not understanding that she has a voice that she can use for change. How can I parent her? So um, she basically is her best self. Mm. And that's what, that's what led me to conscious and positive discipline. Then that kind of led me on a decolonizing journey because I was just like, well, where are all the Black folks talking about this, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, I started following all these pages and I was just like, I don't see any imagery of Black children. I don't see them talking about how it is a different experience. It's a, you know, parenting a Black child in this country is completely different um, experience than for white people or any any other, even for other people of color, mm-hmm. just because of um, our country's history. So that's when I got into like, okay, well, since there's this void there, uh, I've always been that really, that kind of person that's like, let me fill this void. And that's when Conscious Parenting Time started with Crystal, my co-founder. But then I want to take it a step further with Parents to Decolonize because I'm really outspoken when it comes to race. I mean, we're Facebook friends, girl. Yeah. You see my posts. Yeah, I see you. I do. I, I so don't care if it. I make you uncomfortable. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good. That's it's just important. I, am. I don't care. Yeah, it is. Um, it's funny because I was just at an exhibit, a 90s exhibit out here in Arkansas at the Clinton Museum. And I'm going through like this book of like teen magazine from the 90s. And I was just like, wow, this is the whitest magazine I've ever seen. There was no, and I'm saying this out loud. And my Mm -hmm. sister's like, you're embarrassing us. I'm just like, why are you embarrassed by the truth? I'm I'm not here to make anybody else feel comfortable with, uh, with the truth of 
racism. Mm-hmm. It, it's supposed to make you uncomfortable. So that's why I started Parent to Decolonized, because I wanted just to really talk to Black parents and just be like, this is this is why uh, a lot of us resort to physical punishment. This is why a lot of us resort to um, verbal Ver, you know, verbal deme- demeaning and stuff like mm-hmm. that. This is, there's, there's history, there's things rooted in enslavement and, and colonization that we need to unpack. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what I'm finding is there's so many, I mean, most of my fans on Facebook are, are white women. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's actually really awesome. I, I, um, I'm talking to, I'm talking to black people specifically, but a lot of white people feel comfortable enough to join the conversation. And I really appreciate that. Good. Yeah. Well, I'm one of them. I'm one of the white women. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> And I'm so well, that's how I found you, you know, that podcast that you did. Um, that's how I found you. I was just like, well, OK, there's somebody talking about race because I say this. I said this before. People care more about likes than lives. Mm-hmm. So you're more you don't you don't want to disrupt. Um, you know, you don't want people in your DM saying, I thought this was a parenting. Right. You know, a parenting page. It, it's kind of it's sort of insulting. People say that, like, OK, you know, black folks are parents, too. But right. You were willing to take that risk. And that's why I was like, okay, I can I can get with her. Well, and, you know, I appreciate you talking about that whole discomfort piece because I think that, um, for one, I appreciate anyone. I'm always in awe of people who are really outspoken and, you know, come from that place of it's it's not my problem if you're uncomfortable. I am a chronic people pleaser. <laughs> I mean, my family <laughs> might be like, uh, what? But, you know, for the general public, I noticed that I it is deeply uncomfortable for me to create waves. And we live in this context that cannot be I can't ignore the context that we live in. So right. my audience is mostly white parents and I you know, I believe that for many of us, we're so cut off from the experience of of parenting the you know inside of other cultures within the larger society because of the bubbles that most of us live in. Like I live in a town that is you know ninety nine percent white, and so it would be really easy for me to say, well, this doesn't affect me because I'm not I'm not mingling very much. And then to expand it and recognize, and this was something that I was exposed to in college when I was going through teacher education, we read an article about unpacking the white backpack or something like that. But it was a, it was a class around, um, education and race. And it highlighted how, you know, you, I walk into a grocery store and everything around me from the imagery on the boxes of food to the magazines, to the people in line with me, it's all reflecting back to me, my own experience of being white. And it never occurred to me that that was a thing, you know, turn on the TV, although it's getting a lot more diverse now, you still have to, you know, make a point of seeking out, you know, shows with more diversity, movies with more diversity. But I just think it's so important for everyone who hasn't really kind of woken up to the fact that there, that popular culture, you know, so much of popular culture is white and just that that in and of itself carries a message with it. Um, so I'm just really excited for this opportunity to have you on and for all of us to expand and recognize the narrowness of our white experience and to expand that lens, um, to include 
the not just the consideration like that just feels so small. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and I want to say straight up, right? Like I also am blind to my blindness. So I'm sure that throughout this conversation, I'm going to have moments where I'm going to say, man, let me try to say that differently. Or like that didn't really land the way I meant for it to land because also I want to be an example of like just stepping into sometimes the awkwardness that comes with having these conversations. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being I mean, it, okay with that. <laughs> it could be so awkward. And that's why, you know, I have the stance on when I'm on, when I'm posting about race on my page that um, if I feel like you are genuinely asking a question and, and I don't feel like you're trying to center yourself when you're asking this question, I will politely answer it. But my job is not to educate white people right. on racism. That's not the job of any person of color mm-hmm. that pick that place that space that I've created is actually not is is for black people but you know I put on this I put this on the conscious parenting page like you're welcome here mm-hmm. but it's it's not centering you it's centering black parents and and so but what I want is for when people ask questions to feel like they're not going to be attacked mm-hmm. um and to feel like I want because I know it's uncomfortable I know uh, that a lot of people are just are, are really curious. They want to change and they don't know how to start because um, so much of what they know is in, is like is just ingrained in whiteness. Yeah. And whiteness is like is is not like being white and whiteness are two separate things. And I don't think people really realize that because whiteness is like a it's a construct, mm-hmm. just like races. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about whiteness, when you see people say that, it's not like an attack against white people because you can't help that. I mean, you were born white. I was born like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can't help what you came out the womb as. But the construct of whiteness, of white supremacy, mm-hmm. of of like you said, of um everything centering white people and everybody else's other mm-hmm. that is that is the construct of whiteness and 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 so understanding that in the context of parenting um a lot of i mean i heard growing up like don't get out and act stupid in front of these white people mm-hmm. and thought we should stick with them and just like who are they you know like why 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 are why is there a standard that I must live up to that's like a white standard mm-hmm. and so that's that's part of the whole decolonizing process where we're just like you know everybody here you know is on a, a equal and in they're not equitable yet but I am equal mm-hmm. and so I don't need I don't feel the pressure of um you know, that judgment that people feel when they go out and I, all eyes are on them and these white people are looking at me. And I'm just like, I don't give a damn. Look mm-hmm. at me. What? You know, yeah. Like, I, I'm just that person. Like, I'm looking right back at you. Right. It doesn't, it, I, I don't feel, I don't feel judged. And that's because I've, I've done this work, but it's very difficult. I mean, because our culture does judge black parents more harshly, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. And their kids. Yeah. And the and schools and yeah. Will you tease apart a little bit more the subtle and not so subtle ways that parenting has been colonized? Because I'm guessing, I'm just making a guess, but I'm thinking probably some of the listeners, like the whole idea of parenting being something that's been colonized might be kind of foreign to them. So what does that mean to you? Well, I mean, as as white people, you're, you're not colonizers, but your ancestors were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, it would be foreign to you. But as someone who is an ancestor of a, an enslaved person, mm-hmm. it's sort of like we got to look at how we parent and, and uh, okay, for instance, sorry, because sometimes yeah, I get kind of. No, you're good. <laughs> for instance, there's a book called um, Post-Traumatic 
uh, slave syndrome. And she just talks about how it's different from PTSD. Um, her name is Dr. Joyce DeGroy, I believe her last name is. Mm-hmm. And um, she had a video and it did a really great job of explaining this, of how um, you might get two parents in a room, one is white, one is black. And the white mom is talking about her son and, and uplifting him and making him feel really great and um, and and really encouraging. And the black mom might be like, uh, you know, yeah, he's he's great and all, but he has to improve in this way. And he's a headache. And he's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And um, and the white mom is like, but wait a minute, he's actually doing better than my son, you know. And what the, what Dr. Joyce pointed to was now take that back into like slavery times. You know, you have uh, a, a a black mother in the field with her child and, you know, the, the master might come over and just be like, oh, you know, look at him. He's getting, he's looks, he's smart. He's getting older. And she starts to denigrate him. Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer.
in order to protect him. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want him to be snatched from him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that kind of behavior has been carried out throughout history. It's like we denigrate them to protect them. We want to protect them from being snatched from us uh, back then. But today we want to protect them against police brutality. Yeah. So we are super hard, you know, really, really tough on them. That tough love that that is sort of like a cultural people we're known for mm-hmm. being, you know, tough love, um, rules, restrictions, um, hard behavior. If if you look at imagery of Black parents, if you Google that, mm-hmm. you're not going to see a smiling face. Mm-hmm. You're just not. You're going to see a hard face. You're going to see one that looks like she's yelling. And that's just a cultural... And a lot of us, I mean, you know, a lot of us don't spank our kids, but that's just like a thing. That's what people see when... Right. Think about when they when they see um, hear about black parents, and so if you understand that a lot of stuff that black parents do is out of protection and fear, you can be like, okay, I see it. But but to take that a step further, for me, I have to try to teach people how to not parent from that place of fear, right. because anytime you pay, do anything out of fear, it never goes right. Oh, it's yeah. always toxic, right? right? Yeah, that's a, um, that's a, that's a human thing for sure. It's <laughs> a human thing. Parenting, work, yeah, money. Yeah. If, if, if you do out of fear, there's desperation there, there's toxicity there, and nothing good ever comes from it, especially when you're doing that with children. So, you know, that's the difference between, I think, when you're parenting Black children as a Black parent, because I know that there may be some listeners who have you know, white parents who have black children. Mm-hmm. But I think that experience is different too. While they might understand that that, that their black child's life is going to be different from theirs, they don't have the experience as a black parent, right? To They haven't gone through right. the systemic racism that many of us have gone through. I mean, I was called a nigger at 11 years old on the on the playground. Mm-hmm. And that's when, that's when my whole journey, I was just like, oh, okay. Like, that's when I realized, like, there were some distinct differences between me and everybody else at the school. And that's, that's when I really started looking at, um, at race when I was about 11 years old. Mm-hmm. And I can't protect my child from that. I don't think any parent can protect their child from that. But what we can do is give them the tools and to help them when that does happen, talk with them through it and let them know that, you know, they're not supplanted because they were, I was feeling shame. Like I did something wrong and I had no one to talk to about it. So that's, that's kind of what I want to help parents learn how to do. Um, I want you to understanding like, yeah, you have a right to be scared. It's scary out here, but you don't have a right to project that fear and turn that fear into violence or demeaning type words onto your child because it just creates violent people. And aggressive people, people who are not in tune with their emotions and don't understand conflict resolution Mm -hmm. and don't understand just how to have good relationships, you know? Yeah. Well, and this is just as I listen to you and I think about, you know, my own kids were on the playground, too, and how they're treating people and the conversations that we're having around race and ethnicity and differences and similarities and how important it is for all of us to be having these conversations with our kids because that child that called you a name has parents too. (laughs) And, you know, it's, it's our work. It's our work to, I mean, kids are going to screw up and there's a lot of influences. Yes. And we're that number one. And so what are the conversations that we're having with our kids about, what to do and what to say when we, you know, when things don't go our way or we're intimidated or 
confused or embarrassed or whatever the experience is that we're having, how do we solve that in a way that isn't hurtful to the other person or doesn't bring in, you know, I mean, hurtful doesn't even, that feels, that doesn't feel like a big enough word. So thank you for sharing your experience with that. So as you're having these conversations and inviting um, your listeners and the parents in your community into shifting their mindset and recognizing more deeply where their response in parenting is coming from, have you gotten any pushback? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What does that that look like? So from, um, and it's because a lot of parents still believe you need to hit your child um, and they need hardness, they need tough love in order for your child to keep them out of trouble. Right. So and I think that's even not in just the, in the black community, but and that's yeah. not. And I was going to yeah. say it's it's a lot of that is is just childism in general, right? right? right it's right. just like I need to control my child's behavior. Um, I need to train my child. My mom actually told me that recently. I need to train Gia, and I'm like, she's not a dog. But that's that's the biggest pushback is well, if I don't if I don't hit them now, you know, the, the police will hit them later or mm-hmm. something like that. But, but what I always remind them is when, what's his name, Tamir Rice, when he was killed by the police at 12 years old in the park with the toy gun, he wasn't doing anything right. wrong. Right. You know, Trayvon Martin was just walking home mm-hmm. and got followed by some dude and got shot. Mm-hmm. And even though people went crazy on Mike Brown, um, he wasn't even doing anything when that whole thing started. He was literally walking in the middle of the street and the police drove past him and said, get the F on the curb. Mm-hmm. And then he said something back. And that's how it all started. So our kids may already be targeted just because of their race. Nothing that you can do, okay, is going to stop them right. from stop a, a bad police officer or a bad teacher or someone who is just a racist from being that person. And so our home needs to be a safe haven. They needs to be a place where they practice using their voice and saying no and standing up to um, authority when they're wrong. But a lot of homes, are, you know, are really, um, what is it, authoritative. Yeah. And it's just like, this is my house. Yeah, you know, authoritarian. I, you, you, yeah, authoritarian. Yep. You can't you can't uh, close doors in my house. And I always have to remind people, this is their house too. Mm-hmm. You know, this is Gia's home. What I look like telling her, she can't do, sir. Like, of course, there's always rules and there's discipline. But what I don't ever want her to feel like is that because uh, this power dynamic, I pay all the bills, so I have all the power. Like, And that's how you get people who grow up and, and abuse other people mm-hmm. because they now have power, right? And they want to, they they are like, okay, well, now I know how this feels. I'm about to just transfer some of this abuse over as well. So that's the biggest pushback is um, I need to abuse or I need to, and see, the, the, the funny part, they don't see it as abuse. Right. They even a pop, like I'm popping my child. I'm trying to keep him safe. Right. How about you just cover that socket up? You know, so right. I have a lot right. of right. Yeah. Right. It's okay to it's okay to control your environment. Right. Um I had that that conversation with my mom. I was over there and I I, I every time I go over there, I move stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because she is two. And and so um she's like, I'm not moving stuff out the way. And I'm just like, okay, she's gonna touch it. Right. I don't know what you want. Yeah. No, you need to train her so she doesn't. I was like, no, you need to understand that she's two and she has no impulse control. Mm. Well, you guys did this. Yeah, because you used to smack us. So, you know, you learn through pain. Right. But that's not the kind of lesson that I want her to learn. I want her to be free 
to touch things and explore and be curious and um, learn about the environment around her. Yeah. But she needs to be able to do it in a safe environment and not one that is full of objects that she can choke on because you think she needs to be trained like a dog. Right. So I was just like, either you move it or I just don't come over anymore. Right. You know, oh, yeah. like had, those are the boundaries I said. Yeah, I was one of my fr- one of the first of my friends to have a baby and I had them trained to push their coffee tables to the side when we came over. Right. <laughs> so it's if really you do it, I don't come. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's either going to be fun to hang out or not. Um, or we're just not going to hang yeah. out. Yeah. Well, and when you were talking about, you know, just that uh, the word dignity is showing mm. up for me, too. And when as a positive discipline trainer, when we work with teachers, we talk about this dignity double bind that can happen in the classroom where a child might get into a little bit of mischief or is perceived to be getting into some mischief. And so the teacher, you know, is kind of lays down the law and it puts the child Mm -hmm. in this dignity double bind where it's either let go of their dignity and follow directions or hang on to their dignity, but potentially get in trouble. And I, I too have had parents in go through work with me and say, well, what's the point of focusing on solutions if my kid's in front of a judge that's not going to be the feedback they're going to get? It's the judge isn't going to say, well, how might you have done that differently? And my response is, well, you know, this is also a way of creating an environment for your child to grow and develop in so that they're less likely to be in front of a judge. (laughs) Like, you know, looking, and that doesn't even take into consideration the way that the judicial system is already set up to discriminate against people of color. But, and I recognize that, but just this idea of dignity. And, you know, the other thing that we talk a lot about in positive discipline is the importance of a sense of belonging and significance, right? In our kids, that when kids have a healthy sense of belonging and significance, you know, they show up for the most part, cooperative, contributing members of the family. And when that sense is off, when their perception of how they belong and whether or not they matter is off, you will it'll show up in their behavior. And now, as I was creating this outline and, and thinking about the conversation that we were having, we were going to have, I imagined, I tried to imagine living in a society that continues to show a standard of how to be, how to look through this white filter or this filter that isn't who they are, right? That leaves out black kids or any kids of color and how foundationally that sense of belonging and significance gets shaky. And then the result could be, you know, that the behavior is how kids show up comes out in the world might come from that place of insecurity or it could show up as defiance or submission, which none of that is what we want for our kids. So in your work of supporting parents and helping their kids while creating an environment, right, of that belonging and significance piece and then helping them to be in the world and still hold that belonging and significance, how do you how does that look? Yeah. And does that make well, sense? You know, like, does that? Yeah. Okay. No, it does. Um, well, you know, and and a part of that too, when you were saying like some of the, some of the consequences, right, of basically growing up around white supremacy, mm-hmm. um, yeah. is internalized racism. Mm-hmm. Internalized racism is um, is when a member of a minority race starts to internalize all the negative messages 
that have been put out in the world and will either work, it will work really hard to try not to be that thing. Mm-hmm. So for instance, did you watch, did you ever see the movie, The Love You, uh, The Hate, the hate, the hate You oh, Give? yeah, I read the book. Yeah. My kids read the book and we went and yeah. saw the movie. Yeah. So good. So you see how she had to be like two different people. She felt like she had to be two different people. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was really hurting her. She just felt like she could not be herself around these white, these white folks at the school. Right. And, having to have dual personalities because of how the risk of being perceived as ghetto Mm. or that type of black person, it, it's a microaggression. It wears on us. Mm. It makes us just feel, it's just, it's tiring, you know? And, um, when it comes to children, we can talk to them about like what that means, like how that feels, but, for their young minds, they're just like, why do I got to do this? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, it's ridiculous. And they, and that pressure to, to constantly um, suppress who they are mm-hmm. is a lot. It's a lot to ask of a child. And so that's one of the consequences is just constantly having to feel like you have to suppress yourself. And that's where that code switching comes in, which I refuse yep. to do now. Some people have to do it. They feel like they have to do it. Where I'm at in my life, I just feel like if you, I'm not code switching. So if you don't like the way I speak or the things that I say, don't hire me, don't have me around because I'm not going to change who I am to make white people comfortable. So code switching, just to be super clear, that's when, that's like what you're talking about in the movie where you show up a certain way in a certain place with, you know, certain people around, like maybe at work or at school. And then you show up, you know, more authentically as yourself somewhere else is that just to make sure that the listeners understand code switching yeah it's like the is we call it white voice you know when we get on the phone with um we go on the phone with a manager or something like that it's like we switch our voices to so we don't sound black Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. like there's this perception around like what black voices sound like what black sounding names um are are gonna how they're gonna perform Mm -hmm. at school or at work and so code switching just means like People have actually changed their names mm-hmm. in order to avoid being discriminated against. And that's some BS. So yeah, these I are hate things, that we live yeah. somewhere in a time when that is even a 2020. thing. Twenty twenty. And yeah. we're still doing this. We, this is still a conversation. This is crazy. And it's 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 really frustrating, especially when you have younger kids to try to explain these things to them because they're not gonna get mm-hmm. it. And so, um, but, but they're going to come up against it. You have studies that show that teachers, um, how they, how they're perceiving black children and these unconscious biases they have starting in preschool. They did a study how black boys are watched more closely in preschool. And what happens when you watch anything more closely? It starts to do the thing that you want it to do, right? That's right. just like physics, right. I think. So, like, so yeah. they 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 they're looking for a behavior and they end up finding it. And these black kids end right. up getting punished more. School to prison pipeline starts to happen starting in preschool. And so, mm-hmm. what I one of the things that I'm doing and one of the things that I talk about often, and to some people's like chagrin, I love that word, but yeah, some people's hate that I talk about this, but. I don't allow white dolls in my house. I don't allow mm-hmm. books with white protagonists. And that is simple. I have books with like characters, um, like mm-hmm. bear, bears and stuff, but I don't allow white dolls. I don't have art. Um, all my art is of like dark skinned black people. And mm-hmm. all the books and her dolls are mostly um, dark skinned black people and black girls mostly. And, and that's, 
on purpose. Oh, you don't want like fully developed women <laughs> dolls for your daughter? Right, Why right? not, Yolanda? Why not? Okay, sorry. <laughs> they got a couple barbies. I might podcast. go and get okay. But um, <laughs> but yeah, like it's just if I don't there there are studies that also show that instilling a sense of cultural pride very early on mm-hmm. helps them helps counteract the racism racism and microaggressions that they undoubtedly will come against when they're a little bit older. So you know, having all this imagery around her where, she, where I'm instilling this cultural pride, talking to her, yeah. you know, in a really positive way about being Black and showing her all the amazing things that Black culture, I mean, you, you said earlier, like, pop culture is mostly white. It's right, not. That's a lie. As soon as it came out of my mouth, <laughs> I not. was like, that's not the right word for me. I know what you mean, though. I know what you mean, because <laughs> it's appropriated. But it's, right. it's it's mostly, you know, popular culture is Black culture. And, yeah. and that's been for for a really long time um, since this yeah. music and all this other stuff. Like it is is black culture. And so but what we see it, the 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 most popular people may be um, maybe white or like light, lighter skinned black people. So even though I'm a lighter skinned black person and Gia has my complexion, the, the art and the dolls, they're darker skin because mm-hmm. there is still a lot of stigma against dark skinned people. So I want her to I want to normalize that this is beautiful. Right. Black is beautiful. This dark skin is beautiful. This kinky hair is beautiful. And so when she goes out and someone tries to say anything to her and she's going to be like, what are you talking about? (laughs) You know, you won't be able to Mm. tell her anything because she's going to feel very strong about herself. I can't I can't I can't filter in the the message that she's going to get from around her when she goes to the store and she sees the books and the magazines or she turns Mm -hmm. on the TV and she sees the white characters. I can't help any of that. What I can help, though, is like the the things that I allow in my house. And, you know, I've gotten pushback on that. And like, well, the world is multicultural and she has plenty of time to see the world and see its multiculturalism for now. Right. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So, join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts, starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. For now, she's going to, we're going to normalize and center Blackness in this home and, and discuss race from positive perspective 
and discuss history from a pan-African perspective, because if we discuss it from an American perspective, um, it's still really, it still perpetuates inferiority. So I'm not doing that. Yeah. So these are the, the big well, things I have to do. Yeah. Well, and I love the, I have not heard the word, like that centeredness word before. So thank you for that. And I love how, you know, cause my question was around belonging and significance and what a easy quote, easy <laughs> way to just bulk up that foundation of belonging and significance simply in like you're doing, making sure that in her, you know, her main environment, because she's so little, you know, is this place of celebration of who she is and is a reflection of who she is. And yeah, sorry, you're getting feedback that that isn't okay. And, and, you know, it's interesting too. I listened to this, there's a podcast and it's only, I don't know, it might've been somebody's like school project because there's not very many episodes and then it stops, which kills me, but it's called 1619, Mm -hmm. which was the year the first boat of, um, African enslaved people Mm -hmm. showed up in, you know, in the history, you know, which was the beginning of, of enslaved people in the United States. And it just connects the dots to black history and, and like things like access to healthcare and, um, education. And even, you know, the, the first police forces that were created were created to track down and keep, you know, quote in line, runaway slaves. And it, you know, and like all of these dots, like you, that, you know, you talk about, and we, society talks about institutional racism without really going back to the beginning of like, how did this happen? You know, and it's such an interesting show. And I learned so much in the few episodes that exist. I'm really hoping that they are going to make more. Um, Because again, it's like, you know, what we learn in school, the history that we get in school and mainstream television isn't telling a full story. It's not even telling you know, the story. It is whitewashed. Right. It is sanitized. If you really look at like American history and it's, you know, including, you know, Black history in that, you will go mm-hmm. back, you'll be like, why this, I did not learn the truth. Because you don't, you don't right. learn the truth. And that, and that is on purpose. You know, the people who are writing yeah. these books, um, they center whiteness. And mm-hmm. it's not like, I'm going to just, I'm going to, I'm an evil person, racist, and I'm going to write these, although the people, the daughters, the daughters of the Confederacy did that on purpose in the South. Like my, my niece actually has an Arkansas history class out here. And what do oh, you yeah. think they're teaching? They're not teaching the truth. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. So, um, but so they did that on purpose, but for the most part, I don't think it's like necessarily an insidious thing, but what I think mm-hmm. is that it's insidious in the way that white supremacy is centered in a way right. that it still perpetuates uh, racism, systemic racism and oppression in, in a feeling of inferiority. The fact that when we only talk about black history from the, from enslavement is a problem. There is so much right. history and it's so rich. And yeah, that's part of it. But I mean, can we move on? There's other parts of Black history. There's so many scientists and composers and mm-hmm. artists that, that don't get any play. You know, we got MLK, we got uh, George Washington Carver and a few other people. And then everybody else, you know, is just kind of like resigned to nothing. You know, you don't hear yeah. about them. And I think it's a shame. And so I think, you know, it's a call to action too. Like, 
it should not just be this one this one month 28 days no like black history is american history like if you really want to learn about the history of the united states include black people in it and teach your children outside of school because what they teach in school especially if it's a white suburban school it's not going to be enough kids are going to come out into this world just completely ignorant to american history so when we tell them stuff they're just like that that's not true well and the resources are there i mean the resources are there right yeah if we're on a, you know, if you're, if you're some, if, you know, listeners, you're listening to this, it might be new information, might not be new information. If you're feeling, which I hope you are feeling called to think about and act on how you can expand the experience that your kids are having and the education that your kids are getting, you know, seek it out, seek mm-hmm. out, you know, whether it's exhibits that are coming through your town or your city. And, you know, and I, and I think there's different, you know, if you're someone that's in a urban setting, I feel like there's um, a lot more resources yeah. as far as like exhibits and events. Right. And then more rural areas or even, you know, just pockets of whiteness. Like I live in, it might be more challenging, but it doesn't mean that we get to just say, nah, it's not that big of a deal or I'm not going to, I'm not going to figure this out. I'm not going to learn more. So do you have, and even as I say this, I'm thinking about you saying it's not my responsibility to educate you. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, no, I actually learned if you have Amazon Prime Video, Mm -hmm. they have a lot of documentaries by Henry Louis Gates Jr., um, who did like a whole um, African-American sort of history uh, oh. documentary and it's like four or three or four parts so there's that one there's african civilizations which i thought was really interesting because a lot of people don't talk about you know people want to start at like greece and rome mm-hmm. as like the center of civilization and it's not like no. africans were like doing the damn thing yeah. when <laughs> when people in europe were still like not very civilized um <laughs> So there's African history. There is Black and Latin America, which I thought was really, really informative because people don't really realize how Black Latin America is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's um, an abolitionist one on there. There's all kinds of videos on Amazon Prime. Yeah, check them out. If you just make it make it part of your you know video night. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think is something that I know is happening for me as I, you know, learn and grow and listen. And, um, is I, you know, you get to a place Well, I've gotten to a place now where I really notice what, like even going to the movies and watching the trailers for movies when it's a mm-hmm. cast of all white people, I notice. So, you know, listeners just listen to this conversation again, notice if anything comes up for you where you're feeling a little prickly, because that's a great place to dig in and be curious, right? Because we are all living inside of this racist, white supremacist society. And it's up to all of us to learn and grow and take action to, you know, make it a better place for everyone. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely um, encourage anyone who has, who really does feel sort of like a thing that comes up for them. Maybe they're feeling slightly attacked or feeling like this isn't necessarily true or maybe what I'm saying about like having no white dolls maybe that is offensive to you like think about that because you know do your do your kids have black dolls like mm-hmm. is it is your library decolonized do you have do you make it a point to buy books for your children that are that that where the protagonist is a 
person of color. Mm-hmm. You know, these are things that that you have to be intentional about. Right. Just like I have to be intentional about like instilling cultural pride into Gia. Y'all have to be intentional about just opening up the conversation yeah. and, and, and your minds and your children's minds to other races and cultures. I love that. Super, and that's a, a simple step, right? So yeah. if, you know, parents, right when you go into your child's classroom or into the local library and you aren't seeing people of color as, you know, celebrated authors or like you're talking about with the characters in the book, like just make a point to talk to the librarian you know, let it be known that that's what you want to see more of. And sure enough, because, you know, a good story is a good story, it right? Is. And it's important that we get to see representation of everyone. And we're all learning. Like, I I'm, I feel like an infant inside of this, Yolanda. I feel like I'm just like scratching my own, the surface for myself and, and still feeling awkward and wonky inside of it. And yeah. I'm still going to have the conversation. Okay. Yeah, it's completely okay. Yeah. I think, you know, if you find people who who do come at you and they're angry, Mm. you know, I know that for some people that is like, man, I tried to learn and I got so much anger back at me. Just please know that it's not necessarily back at you unless you're doing something really egregious. It's 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 a frustration. It's a frustration over the entire system and over this whole feeling of just just having to even explain these things still, you know, but we, we, I know at least I can't speak for everybody, but I know that, um, I, me personally, black people, we, we cannot dismantle white supremacy. That Mm -hmm. is on white people to dismantle white supremacy. But sometimes what it takes is to have these awkward conversations for you to understand, you know, be willing to have these conversations, be willing to feel uncomfortable and me being willing to sort of extend myself a bit in order to, to help people uh, grow and learn. I I am all for allies. I am all for, you know, people have this perception against like the Black Panthers. They were actually an international organization. They worked with white people constantly. Mm. And that's because they understood like in order for this world to be a better place, we all have to work together in order to dismantle these things. But mostly we have to be willing to bring white people into the, into the conversation and have it with them and help them understand sometimes like this is, this is what this is. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you might get some anger, mm-hmm. but I still encourage you, you know, if it's something that you really want to, okay, search out the information yourself. If someone is just like, I'm not getting paid to do this because I've <laughs> had someone say that on my Facebook page. Right, right. Um, you know, you're right. They're not getting paid to educate you. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of resources for you to educate yourself and just continue that journey. Yeah. Well, thanks for the Amazon Prime tips too. I'm excited about that. So in the context of decolonizing parenting and all the work that you do, what does joyful courage mean to you? You know, when I think of joyful, joyful courage, it makes me think of this quote by Audre Lorde, and it's like the basis for everything I do. Um, she said, raising black children, female and male, in the mouth of a racist, sexist, suicidal dragon is perilous and chancy. If they cannot love and resist at the same time, they will probably not survive. So that's like love and resistance yeah. is what joyful courage is for me. I mean, I have to have courage to change the status quo and I have to model what joy and unconditional love looks like inside my home mm-hmm. because home is where security and safety is and love. And as scary as being a Black parent is sometimes, um, I can't tell you how much joy it gives me to be raising 
my daughter in this revolutionary way and to watch her grow into an amazing Black woman. Mm. Like it gives me a lot of joy. I love that. Where can listeners find you and follow your work? Um, so I have my podcast, Parenting Decolonized, mm-hmm. and you can find me on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Spreaker, anywhere you listen to your podcast, and also on my website, parentingdecolonized.com, um, as well as the Parenting Decolonized Facebook page. And then, you know, I still have the Conscious Parenting Time mm-hmm. Facebook page where we sort of discuss things not as you know, racy <laughs> as, right. as, as my other page, but I, we try to really focus on, on teaching there. Um, so that's conscious parenting time. And, um, on Instagram, it's, uh, it's CP time. Okay. Okay. And listeners, you know, I'll put those links into the show notes. So it'll be easy for you to find Yolando and her work. Thank you so much. Bye. This was so great. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you listeners for being open to listening to this message. Yay. Thank you so much for listening. It is my great honor to create this show for all of you. Big thanks to my producer, Chris Mann at Podshaper for his work in making the podcast sound oh so good. If you're interested in continuing these powerful conversations that start on the podcast, become a patron by heading to www.patreon.com slash joyfulcourage. That's www.patreon.com slash joyfulcourage. For $5 a month, you will have access to a private Facebook group where I do weekly Facebook Lives on Mondays and interview recaps on Fridays. Plus, it's a great way to give back to the show that gives you so much. Be sure to subscribe to the show. Head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, wherever you are listening to podcasts, and simply search for the Joyful Courage podcast and hit that subscribe button. Join our communities on Facebook, the Live and Love with Joyful Courage group, and the Joyful Courage of Parents of Teens groups are both safe, supportive communities of like-minded parents walking the path with you. If you're looking for even bigger, deeper support, please consider checking out my coaching offer. www.joyfulcourage.com coaching is where to go to book a free explore call with me and we can see if we're a good fit. I'll be back next week. Can't wait. Until then, big love to you. Remember to find your breath, ride it into your body, take the balcony seat, and trust that everything is going to be okay. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.